Hi, welcome to CA Today. I am your host, Sarah Whitmire, and I am joined today by Brendan Kaiser, who's going to be my co-host. Welcome, Brendan. Thank you, Sarah. I'm glad to have you back. Glad to be back. And um, today we are sitting down with our colleague, Mark Beckwith. Welcome, Mark. Hello. And before we jump into what we're talking about today, why don't you give us a little rundown of what you do for us at BOCES? Wonderful. I am a model schools coordinator, so that deals with a lot of technology integration, and I am unique on the professional development staff because I'm currently the only member that is 100% BOCES. Essentially that just means I'm not embedded in a school district so I get to spend my time in any of the 22 component school districts as needed. Awesome. I know it's like you're not embedded in anyone but you're embedded in 22 of them. (laughs) Which is great. It makes your job really exciting and fun. I imagine. It definitely, <laughs> it, it definitely does. All right. So um, one of your projects that you've been working on for BOCES has to do with accessibility and equity in the classroom. And that is really what brings you here today. Correct. So on January 22nd, I got volunteered to go to <laughs> an accessibility training in Rochester from the Northeast ADA Center, uh, the Americans for Disabilities Act Um, And it was interesting because the federal government set a deadline for compliance with Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act as of January 18th, 2018. So I learned about this on the 22nd. Good timing. Uh, Correct. The federal (laughs) government made it a requirement as of the 18th. Uh, But even more interesting than that is the Rehabilitation Act was amended in 1998 to require federal agencies to make their electronic and information technology accessible. So it's quite the steep learning You're the math guy, (laughs) but if we do the math on that, that's about 20 years, right? (laughs) That is correct. (laughs) It's about 20 years that we're uh, slightly behind in compliance and accessibility. So what's been going on with um, school websites? Because that's kind of what we've been hearing a lot about um, in regards to the ADA compliance. Correct, correct. So um, there are kind of some, I can't call them loan sharks because I don't think they're out from out for uh, acquiring loans, but there have been some individuals who are seeking out public entities to make sure that their websites are in compliance. Essentially, that means anybody needs to be able to access the information that's displayed on a website. For instance, if I have a visual impairment and I can't interpret the meaning of your web page because the colors don't stand out to me the same way that they would of someone who doesn't have a visual impairment. So there's a color contrast ratio that falls under the standards for compliance that states the text to background ratio has to be significant enough. If I have a color impairment or a visual impairment, I can interpret the information the same way anybody else could. Um, Another type of impairment would be if I can't use my hands to control a mouse and I've got to use some sort of control other than the keyboard, I have to be able to navigate the web page with that management system. So uh, a common way to do this is with the tab key. If you have drop down arrows, can I tab through all of them in the correct order? So basically behind the scenes, it works in a very linear fashion. The website, even though it looks fancy, it's still got to have the correct code so any user could use it regardless of the impairment. And I mean, that's only fair, right? I mean, it's, you know, we want to engage as many 
families as we can. And so um, making sure that they can access any resource that we have on our website is crucial to do that. Exactly. So that, that fairness you mentioned is, is essentially the difference between focusing on accessibility or focusing on compliance. Are you concerned with a lawsuit and the legal obligations of of compliance for your website, or are you focused on giving students the equitable access that they deserve to make sure that they can access information the same way that anybody else can? And I remember at Curriculum Forum, you'd shared um, a website that schools can plug in their website to kind of see what are some of the issues that they have. Correct. So the, that resource that you're, you're referencing is the Web Accessibility Evaluation Tool, and you can find that at wave.webaim.org. And again, it's a Web Accessibility Evaluation Tool. It's a free resource that you can check one page of your website at a time. You copy the URL, you paste it into the tool, and it'll bring a drop-down menu of all of your errors and your warnings and... Um, Things that are, are "quote unquote" good to go. Uh, I would <laughs> I would provide some caution with those green flags, however, because um, there may be a misconception. For instance, uh, if you upload an image to your website, you title your image and you provide a description. Sometimes users keep the image title, for instance, image zero eight six three five, right. as their file name. That could show up as a green flag, but if I am a blind student trying to access that image, the title of that image is read out to me as image eight zero. So they're not whatever. getting any information about. Correct. Got it. So not only do we need to be worried about the errors and the warnings, we need to make sure we're double checking everything that's green to actually verify that it's good to go. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. Mm -hmm. um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but. Uh, I don't know about our BOCES, but I know that Erie One also like will provide a service to update websites for school districts. Is that correct? That is correct. So uh, I'm I'm not sure of the specific service reference number, uh, but there's another tool called Site Improve. It's S I T E Improve. There's a free Google extension that again will check one web page of a website at a time, but when you purchase the license through Erie One, you get much more. They are basically a website guru for helping you manage your website more so than just accessibility, but it's a great accessibility resource as well. So you kind of get an idea that, oh, we've got some work to do, and then you can reach out to Erie One, and they'll, they'll really kind of drive or help you go through and, and really nail out those specifics is what it sounds like. Exactly. Kind of hold your hand through it. Exactly, Good. yes. Yeah. Any other um, advice in regards to districts that are trying to make sure their websites are in compliance with the law? Uh, there are a few other resources that you can navigate to. Um, Section508.gov is a great resource. Uh, not only do they give you a little bit more information about what Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act is, um, essentially it was enacted to eliminate the barriers to information and communication technology, but they'll go through things like what types of information do we need to have when we contact a vendor about accessible technology. They'll give you um, an accessibility requirement tool, they call it ART, that basically sets up a protocol for you when you're trying to procure new information technology. Um, there are quite a few other resources um, on that web page as well. Um, 
the World Wide Web Consortium, so W3C.org. I could be wrong on that. We'll double check it. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. Um, they are basically the lead behind creating the standards for accessibility. Okay. Their website accessibility initiative, WAI, um, sets up all the guidelines. So the standard of measure right now is WCAG, W-C-A-G, right? right? How do you know that's WCAG? <laughs> but it is WCAG, and it's 2.0 currently, and that's the standard for accessibility. And right now, your website needs to meet the A standard level. Um, there's a on the... Uh, World Wide Web Consortium page, you can navigate to the WCAG standard and find a quick reference guide as to how to meet level A, double A, and triple A measures. And for the record, uh, the website is w3.org. Thank you, Interweb, for saving the day. <laughs> thank you, Brandon, for saving the day. <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. So, I, I, of course, districts want to be compliant, um, but there's a far greater purpose to all of this. Agreed. To making sure that, you know, everything we do and that students have access to, they can access. Mm -hmm. um, so talk to us a little bit about, you know, equity in the classroom. Perfect. So there are quite a few digital tools that I think we have access to that we may or may not be utilizing to the fullest extent um, that I'd like to bring to our attention. So Microsoft common name. Uh, we've been using Microsoft Word for a long time, but in the recent uh, updates with technology, they've made some really good advancements in terms of accessibility. Uh, a free online resource, Microsoft Translator, is awesome. This translator is built into Skype. You can use it in your uh, Windows 10 devices if you have them. If not, if you're using, let's say, a MacBook, you can go to Microsoft Translate and use it online. It's a great resource when you have language barriers. Um, we know that uh, English as a second language is becoming more mm -hmm. common in our region. So if you have a parent that you're struggling to communicate with, Microsoft Translator is a perfect tool because I can speak into it in my native language, for instance, English. Mm -hmm. And if I have a parent from Russia, it can translate that language into Russian, but then it, it can also provide a transcript for me. So then I can go back and reference it. So even if there are delays in the communication, I've got text that I can go back to that's already translated for me during this process. That sounds like a great option. It, it mm -hmm. is great. We showed this resource at our um, LOAT workshop, mm -hmm. our LOAT CLC, and, and they loved it. They thought it was a, a great tool. Uh, so some, a little bit more about Microsoft. Mm -hmm. They have uh, a learning tool called Immersive Reader, which is fantastic. So as former English or ELA teachers, mm -hmm. you know how, how hard it can be when you have readers in your classroom that have um, – different reading levels by multiple grade spans. Mm -hmm. So Immersive Reader is designed to help our struggling readers. Even if you're not struggling as a reader, you can use the settings in Immersive Reader to make reading even more of an easy task for you. Uh, for instance, if um, you need to change the color contrast or if you wanna change your line focus and you wanna see three lines and have the middle line highlighted for you while you're reading through a document, mm -hmm. Immersive Reader is the tool for you. And Microsoft, with their updates, has Immersive Reader built into quite a few of their platforms now. That's what I was going to ask. So how do you how do you get it? But it's built right in. It's built right in. So um, if 
you are not an Office 365 school and you want to try this out for free, Office Lens is a free app from Microsoft that you can try this out with. And it's pretty cool. You take a picture of a document, a business card, uh, a photo of a whiteboard even. It automatically crops your image and then it will extract all of the text from that image. Now, it's somewhat tricky when you're using handwritten text. That's so what I was going to ask about. You know, I've got awful handwriting. So. <laughs> and I write mostly like a combination of cursive and, and print, so mm -hmm. that probably wouldn't pick up very well either. But Yeah, so if, you, if you're taking the image of a whiteboard, your print needs to be fairly clear. Mm -hmm. I would stay consistent um, with your lettering. And once it recognizes that text, it'll extract that information. So normally I try to not use this on a whiteboard or handwritten text mm -hmm. because it doesn't recognize everything clearly. I, I'm assuming at some point they'll update the technology again and it'll be even better. But for now, I'd stick to typed text. Um, but again, it will extract that for you. And then it, there's uh, an option in Office Lens to use Immersive Reader. And it will extract that information and it'll work the same way. I can highlight adjectives, I can highlight nouns, I can highlight verbs, I can break words down into syllables so, so it can help me with the entire reading process, which is, to me, I, I find that amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, it would have been such a helpful tool because then I can have the text read back to me. I can change the speed, I can change the, the voice from a male to a female voice. Uh, it, Overall, to me, it's astounding. And it sounds like it's super user-friendly. It's super user-friendly. Which sometimes, you know, as a teacher, I think back in my own practice, some of the accessibility tools that we had then mm -hmm. were like, they, they were harder to use than, than you they should have been, exactly. you know, for the kids. So it made it even more of a hassle. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like this is super user-friendly. It is. It's a great tool. Uh, so not only is it an office lens, but it is built in natively to OneNote. So if you are a OneNote Avenger like I feel that I am, you're, <laughs> like going, you to are. <laughs> you're going to love this. Um, they just released an update, so it's also available for OneNote for Mac OS mm -hmm. now. Um, it's Immersive Reader is built into Word Online, and it will soon be rolled out to Word the Client. I, I believe it is also in Outlook Online, but I could be mistaken with that as well. And a lot of our schools um, on the other spectrum, I guess, use Apple products and mm -hmm. iPads are in schools. Um, so in regards to using the iPads and making sure that those are accessible, mm -hmm. what's kind of out there, uh, what features are embedded to help kids? Yeah, so Apple has this philosophy that accessibility should be built in, not bolted on. Mm -hmm. So on every Mac device, when you go into settings, you can find the accessibility tab mm -hmm. and they have built-in features um, such as uh, vision, interaction, hearing, the way you interact with media, all of those resources to help you customize your experience with their device to make sure it's the most accessible for you. Um, so you can set up your iPads uh, a certain way from the start or if you're going to individualize it, your students have access to that specific device to change things. Um, there are multiple settings under vision and interaction. For instance, if you know that when you touch your device because maybe you have Parkinson's and your movement isn't controlled as you want, you can have the device set up so it accepts your first touch or your last touch if you hold on the device. Um, again, that's built in, not bolted on. So it's great for your Apple products. And similarly, let's say you don't use the iPad um, mm -hmm. in a Windows device. It, the settings are very similar, but they're called uh, um, ease of use settings rather okay. than 
or ease of access rather than accessibility. Very nice. Um, any other resources that you want to share out for people to consider using with uh, to making their technology accessible for everyone? Yeah, sure. So again, I like how we, before you mentioned equity and access and how they're somewhat interchangeable. Um, to me, music is a great medium for uh, expression and being able to relate to other people. Um, but a lot of people don't necessarily feel musically inclined or like they're able to interact with music like those who are mm -hmm. more so inclined. Um, there's a resource called noteflight.com that allows you to write music. But the reason I find this tool to be accessible is there's really not a whole lot of room for error, so to speak. Um, when you create a song and you insert musical notes, whether it's a quarter note or a half note, it creates the measure automatically for you. So it's not going to let you mess that up. You are going to create something that's eventually going to work regardless of, of how you create it. So I think that's a great resource for those who are trying to get a little bit more involved with music. Mm -hmm. uh, similarly, I taught math, and a lot of my students felt like they couldn't relate to math. The mm -hmm. uh, research showing is that less than 50% of our students are built for success, are not necessarily built for success, but are prepared to find success mm -hmm. in uh, a basic algebra course. So something like graspablemath.com that actually allows you to manipulate. Is this the one that I saw you doing on your, um, was it your iPad or your Surface he, or something? You he, were, you had something. He was giddy. He was, yeah, like. <laughs> I mean, you, you, know, you and I are ELA people. <laughs> right. And this was total math nerdum. So uh, math nerdum. But I loved it. Yeah. yeah. Th that may be an understatement. But I, it looked great. Like, uh, so to say, like, I'm not really a math person. Mm -hmm. Um, although my middle school math teacher did say I was really good at math at scoring this year when he had me. So that and that's <laughs> all we have time for, folks. So there's that. No, but I'm horrible. not I'm not as math inclined. Mm -hmm. I, di I did well in it, but I it wasn't as easy for me yeah. as like English was. But um, seeing you use that, I thought it was kind of cool. And I thought, oh, as somebody who's not very mm -hmm. math minded, like this gets me interested in this seems to break it down so I can understand. Right. So go ahead and talk a little bit about yeah, so, it. So uh, I, I think giddy is uh, too light of a word. I was beyond excited with this tool. Um, if you were in the math world at all and you know the name Dan Meyer, um, he released a review on this on how he wasn't that excited about this tool because there wasn't enough room for error. So oh. when you're using a tool like this, you kind of need to weigh how and when you're using mm -hmm. something like this. If I'm going to create access, I'm not going to use it as my initial instruction because I'm not allowing students to make the errors that they need to make to better like to understand uh, the concept, correct, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, but if I'm going to use this as an intervention method or I'm going to provide that extra access for students who were struggling when they couldn't have access to the content or the way to understand it that they needed, I'm going to use this tool. Um, so let's say I type in the equation 2x plus 5 equals 7. Graspable math allows you to, with your mouse or if it's on an iPad, to grab a hold of a term and move it to the other side of the, the equation and solve the equation as you should, but it doesn't let you mess up. And that's where the concern came in. However, I get to actually interact. Like physically manipulate. Yeah, which to me is great because when mm -hmm. I'm working on paper, I may not know what to do, but with something like graspable math, it doesn't matter if you know what to do. You grab a hold of something, you move it, and then you see exactly what happens when you when you moved whatever number or expression the way that you you did on the screen. 
Um, so to me, that's that's a great opportunity to provide students with access to a better understanding of how equations work. How mm -hmm. how does this abstract thing look when I manipulate? And then weren't you able to pull when it was all done? You were able to sort of pull it down, and you could see all of the steps broken down. Yeah, exactly. So the way that graspable math is set up is when you manipulate the equation, they kind of hide what. Like happened in done. the step before mm -hmm. uh, behind that and then you'll you'll notice a um, circle comes up at the end of your equation or your expression and you, you just drag it down and it uh, reveals all of the steps that you had you had taken which I think is really cool for kids to see exactly yeah mm -hmm. yeah good um, so those are some just some tools that you could use to provide access um, and I know we focused a lot on Microsoft but um, not every school is an Office 365 mm -hmm. district, so maybe you're using uh, Google Docs or something along the lines of a, a Google Classroom, you're a Google school. Grackle Docs is an extension that you can insert to check the accessibility of your documents. So Microsoft has theirs built in natively. It's mm -hmm. called the Accessibility Checker. If you're using Google and Chrome is your browser, then you can easily add Grackle Docs as an extension to your, to your taskbar. And Mark, as we wrap up here, I know that you are very hard at work at developing some offerings um, for our districts in regards to accessibility. Um, I know that your plans aren't fully hashed out as of right now, but uh, as we are recording this at the very, very beginning of July, but what uh, might be available down the road for districts um, if they want to learn more? Yeah, sounds good. So I would say I'm approximately 73.5% <laughs> complete with... There's a math person. There's a math person. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> that, we've maxed out on math. Uh, Bye, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a great day. Thanks for having me. Uh, in, in any case, I would say uh, I, I'm almost complete with an online accessibility course. Um, I've set it up in three parts. Uh, so each part, you can earn three hours of CTLE, professional Deve development credit, when you complete those portions for a total of nine professional development hours. And I try to walk you through um, accessibility from the standpoint of why should we even be concerned with accessibility? Mm -hmm. How can we use the tools that we have to create and revise our content so it is accessible and then the last portion of the course goes through compliance i think it's important that it was set up that way because we should be striving to have full and equitable access mm -hmm. for everyone rather than saying again i'm legally required to do this so i'm, I'm going to get it done I, th I think we need to first understand why uh, and that should be coming out hopefully before the end of summer but at the fall at the very latest so you can check on register.cabosis.org where we have all of our offerings listed. Um, and I'm sure that we will be sending out an email to our listservs um, for you to get more information about that offering when it appears. So looking forward to it. I think, Mark, um, the big takeaway for me is we have high expectations for our, our kids, mm -hmm. for our families, right? We want them involved. We need to do everything we can mm -hmm. to support those kids, support those families, so they can meet those expectations. Mm -hmm. I agree. So um, when you say that, a, a thought that came into mind is during my last accessibility workshop, I heard a lot of, it sounds like a lot of work. Um, but when you have something like the, the accessibility checker, the tools like Microsoft that are available, it's really not a lot of extra work. 
Uh, for example, somebody brought up, well, I want my notes to look nice. I, I put a lot of work into these. Well, there's no trouble in having two documents with the same information. You've mm -hmm. already got your quote unquote nice looking document that not everyone has access to. You don't need to delete it. You've already got it, mm -hmm. but you can update it so everyone can have access to it. And then now you just have two copies of the same information. Right. And technology makes it so easy Super to easy. do that. Mm -hmm. Well, Mark, thanks so much for joining us today and having this conversation. Thank so you both for having me. Great conversation. Thank you, Mark. And thank you again to Mark Beckwith for being with us today and sharing your insight into equity and accessibility. Um, for more information from Mark, feel free to reach out to him, um, and you can even follow him on Twitter at Mark underscore C.A. Feel free to reach out and connect with him there. Lastly, don't forget that you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and Stitcher to get all of the latest episodes. Thank you for listening to CA Today, and we hope to see you soon.